Hello legends, welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today we're catching up with two of our country's biggest experts in business development, Susan Workner and Peter Applebaum. Together, Susan and Peter have over 35 years experience in owning communication and marketing agencies. They are two incredible people. They are the co-founders and co-owners of the Agency Accelerators, which is a company that has a systemized program that they teach to service-based businesses in order to allow them to get to continuously get corporate clients. So it is an incredible four-step program, and we actually run through the steps in this podcast. I learned a lot. I found some holes in Cubs marketing. You'll enjoy the show. And we are live. Susan, Peter, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thank you very Fabulous, much. Daniel. Great to Thank be here, you. Daniel. I feel a bit nervous because you guys have a lot more experience in media and things than I do. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I think you've game. done pretty well. We've listened to a few of your podcasts, Daniel. I think you're a natural as well. And, and you're the boss, so Absolutely. You're, you're in control. All right, so I've got one thing going for me. Absolutely, <laughs> you do. No, Lots going for Thank you. you. I'm very excited to have you both on the show. And in fact, I was just—I just mentioned before that uh, I've been dying to speak to you guys in more detail because I have heard non-stop raving reviews um, from both our team and uh, many of the community that have attended your Cub uh, conversations. Uh, what was the topic of the conversations? Well, the one we did last week was about LinkedIn. How you can mm-hmm. use LinkedIn to get B two B leads, and the initial one was how. Service businesses can grow their business. With corporate clients, isn't it? Corporate clients. Yeah, that's the one I heard a lot about. I heard it was absolutely incredible. So, I I mean, we're going to talk about both those. Sure. Right. Uh, Well, one's a subset of the other. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk about both of them today so I can hear them too. (laughs) (laughs) You could learn something. (laughs) But one thing, Peter, you just said literally right before the um, we went live was that one key marketing fundamental that that people forget – marketers forget whoever forgets is that your um is that people care about themselves correct they don't care about you it's and a harsh reality sure, yeah <laughs> and and it, that's not entirely true i'm sure the people are good and they do care oh, about you course. but but they're looking to, for themselves yep. and that's something that is that something i guess you always keep front of mind when thinking about marketing oh we definitely do and i think that's uh, a big mistake that a lot of business people make is that they fo- that because the reality is I know all about myself. I've lived with, my, with myself for quite some time. So I know the ins and outs and ups and downs, my business, my personal life, all that sort of stuff. So it's far easier for me to talk about myself. It's far harder to get to know what the other person is interested in and wants. And it almost goes against our natural instincts to be focused on the other person. But it is Marketing 101, but it's amazing how often business people and marketers and salespeople forget that key principle. And that's something that Susan and I – because we have this business development background and growing our own businesses on the back of that business development, keep in mind front and centre and it's the foundation stone, a key foundation stone of the Agency Accelerators. And the Agency Accelerators is the business you joined Cub with and it's the business I want to find out more about today. Right. But I do want to highlight that, um, Susan, you um, have owned the Interactive Investor mm-hmm. for 15 years now. Yes, I and started Interactive Investor, that's right, 15 years ago. Started Interactive Investor 15 years ago. And and can, can you just give us a brief introduction to, to, to that? 
Yes, so um, I started with our own proprietary software um, for uh, digital annual reports. That was how we started. It was the first one in Australia that ever launched. Wow. And I guess we were, in fact, the very first specialist uh, digital investor relations and corporate communications company in Australia. So we launched and started work um, basically within the first few months with Macquarie Bank, ANZ, NAB, Westfield, Centre Group, all of whom have stayed with us for over a decade. So we've had clients for many, many years and then we branched out basically in the early days, we then branched out into doing websites and doing email marketing and a whole strategic communication um, tool set for listed companies that are looking to reach out to investors, shareholders, analysts and brokers. Well, so it's a, it's a company that specialises in communication for… Digital communication. Digital communication for bigger Companies. Correct, corporate for corporates, companies. for corporate companies, exactly. And that's, that's still right. operating today? It is, it is still operating. You must be an extremely busy person then. <laughs> and, and and Peter, yourself, you, you've you owned a award-winning marketing agency? Digital marketing Digital agency. Digital marketing agency called uh, Tick Yes. Tick Yes, so I started that. Uh, I, I was um, started off as, a, as a, uh, a marketing client, decided to jump the barbed wire fence and became an advertising copywriter, which was my passion. Um, and then joined a AC Nielsen, the world's largest market market research company, and then became the. Um, sorry, I'm giving my whole my whole. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I keep going. <laughs> I'm thinking. Oh wow. <laughs> yes, you got the job, Peter. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Um, I joined promotional marketing and business development, working at an agency for five years, and then um, became the director of sales for Olympics.com, the Sydney Olympic official Sydney Olympic website. But always had this plan and dream to start my own business. And uh, after the Olympics finished, they weren't bringing any more Olympic games out to Sydney for a while. So I figured I have to had to get moving and started uh, Tick Yes soon after the Sydney Olympics. And so it's 20, 20, 20 odd years. years yeah. Wow. Yeah. And now you both met up. How did you guys meet? Susan? I used to date his best friend when I was an 18, 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you've actually known each other for a very yes, long time. Yes, He yes. wasn't my best friend. But he anyway. was your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you met, and, and how did the agency, how was the agency accelerate, accelerators born? Because um, that was just a year ago. Exactly, it was just a year ago. So that's right. So what happened is we, as I said, both of us have been running our own agencies. Um, before we met each other, we'd started our companies um, and it was great when we met because obviously we realised we had synergies. We could help each other, which is fantastic as founders of our own agencies. And basically a year ago, which I guess now in the face of COVID was a very um, – you know, lucky or precipitous thing to do, we decided that we really want to put all of our intellectual knowledge and all of our experience over the last 20 years or more um, of business development experience and working with corporate clients into a program helping agencies and service businesses and consultants, um, basically B2B, so businesses to sell to other big corporate clients because that's really been our expertise and we know that it's, you know, most businesses struggle with reaching out to corporate clients and, and having sort of predictable leads from there. So that's how we it started. Yep. And, and and so that's what the Agency Accelerators does. It allows service-based businesses to gain corporate clients. And you're saying that you've formulated a program that you're able to, I guess, teach yep. to these businesses so that they're able to implement and, and reap the benefits of. And this program has been... I guess, uh, an accumulation of your experience, of both of your experience experiences through an incredible career that everyone now can get access to. That's right. And it's quite incredible. The, the stat we often quote is that less than 10% of agencies and service businesses actually have an integrated 
business development program within their organization that's ongoing and it's often done biz dev is often done ad hoc when the when the pipeline's empty when money's running a bit short it's like oh gosh we've got to do, go and do some business development and look as we often say to our clients that uh, every pothole out there we've fallen into we've made every mistake there is uh, and we know that we've learned from it and, and have come out better the other side so um, I guess it really is an opportunity for, and we always say it's like the the opportunity is you don't have to be the best, but you just have to be the you have to be consistently showing up and adding value. Do that, and you're a long way ahead of the vast majority of other organisations and people who you're up against. And, and why would you say? I mean, I'm sorry. What? Why do you think that most businesses don't have a, a business, de- an ongoing business development program? I think most business people are technicians. They're very good at architects. They're very good accountants or or uh, IT or they're they're great at creating ads or doing PR. They got great contacts. Business development in many ways is a bit of an anathema to a lot of people because it's like I'm a I'm a business person. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a strategist. I'm a creative. I'm a writer. Being a, a salesman as such, if you boil it down. And I always love when I fly in, fly in or out. It's like I always feel like my form saying, "What's your occupation, salesman?" Now I'm a lot, lot more, and in, in addition to to being able to salesman, but I think it really does ground you into what we are really all about. We are helping other people to understand what other people's needs are and meet those needs, and the selling, if you will, the, the the product or service that we're offering. But I guess going back to your original question, it's it's something people are uncomfortable with. But I guess that's where we're coming from because we've come really high end corporate sales if you will business development solution selling as the the expression is and really it helps people like we're working thanks to cub we're working with with companies that non-agencies if you will service businesses like it like limousine company like uh, um, a private investigator so these are service businesses that need business development in no way at any of their training have they seen themselves as being in sales but they don't need to be as such. They just need to have the program that runs for them. Are, the, are, are those all example of members that are now working with yeah. you guys? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And you've been members for six months now. So that's, that's right. very quick. That's right. It's all about Job hustle, so hustle, yeah. Daniel. You hustle. obviously know how to business <laughs> extremely well. Um, but a question I have, it might be a really stupid one, but I'm going to ask it. Is it. How would you define business development? Is it marketing? Is it going to the bar on a Friday and meeting, I don't know, some executives or is it a bit of everything? How would you guys define it? Well, business development, it's really about every aspect of marketing to your customer. So business development encompasses using every resource the organisation has to reach out and satisfy the needs of your customers, your clients, solving the problem that they have. So, for example, what you've just described, that could be part of business development, going to events, um, reaching out, calling them, emailing them. It's a really whole series of activities that you do that generates revenue for the organisation. I mean, let's face it, business is only there for two things, making a product or service and getting a customer. Mm. So if you don't have the channel of getting your product or service to that customer, you don't have a regular program, business development program, then you're not going to grow into a Nike. You're not going to grow into a you know, big uh, Apple computers, mm. or you know. A cu- or a cub. Or a cub even, exactly, or a cub. So you do have to have a program embedded in that business to make sure that month in, month out, you know where, where your revenue is coming from. I love that, the two things businesses do. 
delivering value and making cash. That's it. <laughs> well, it's true. Actually, yeah, of course it's Otherwise, true. accountants have nothing to do. Exactly. <laughs> the CFOs, nothing, the CFOs, nothing, nothing, to nothing to count. Nothing to count. The CFOs, you know. People won't have jobs. <laughs> That's it. And people won't have goods and services. So, so we see ourselves as really the, the pivotal point of any business, I think, is bringing in revenue and that's marketing and that is specifically um, solely targeting business development. I completely agree. And, and so you guys – sorry, Peter. Well, one of, uh, one of our clients said was something which really resonated and encapsulated it beautifully. He said the things like going to the bar and meeting a friend or playing golf or, or being in the clubhouse and meeting someone who just happens to see – I take, what do you do? Okay, we can really use you type of thing. That's opportunistic selling and that's perfect. That's fantastic. It's like it's a great way of doing business. It's how business has been done and it always will be done. What we do is to say overlay that opportunistic selling with strategic selling and that's the sort of thing that we do in addition. And if you have both of those things going for you, you make a fortune. And Yeah, it's kind of like that old sales uh, rule. Having a good sales month is great but you need to have consistent consistently great sales months and and that's what you're talking about you know you might meet someone one month and have a great month that month because they Mm -hmm. join but you want to know that you're meeting another person the next month and another person the next month and that's the system that you guys done and so it's a four-step program and are you able to run us briefly through the steps well the steps are really we we have a program that we've um, customized for our clients so the program is there it's a set program but we then overlay it with the type of business as Peter said we have clients now in IT limousine companies um, you know creative agencies PR media you know etc we have a clients who are sol- solopreneurs we have one client who's just started his own business um, he was a marketing director now starting his own business we have another client that has um, 270 staff you know, uh, employees and they need a business development program. So I guess the program really looks at what is the niche the company is working in, what business are we in and you'd be surprised how many people haven't really sat down and thought about what business they're actually in, what is their niche because that I think is number one in terms of targeting prospects. Um, Secondly, opportunity. Once you've established your niche, what is the best opportunity you have for building prospects and a pipeline of prospects for your business? That's the second phase. Thirdly, positioning. How do we best position the business, the organisation, so that it will attract the clients that it needs to 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 build that business? You know, so so that's that's the third part. And then finally, how do we then what you know what methods do we use and how do we communicate that? to the best clients that we want, prospects that we want. So that's really the four areas we cover in a very strategic way with our clients. And so with the niche, when you say to find your niche, do you mean your niche uh, in product or service? Do you mean your niche in, um, I guess, uh, the industry? You know, or do you mean, you know, finding your purpose? Is it that kind of high level thing or is it a very specific thing? Daniel, it's really whatever will work. Or oh, sorry, sorry, do, you, do how can someone identify their niche? What's the process that they can go through? We actually with our clients go through a, quite an extensive onboarding process where we examine uh, everything about their business, find out about their market, where the opportunities are, strengths, weaknesses, the SWOT analysis, all those sorts of things. Uh, do as much research as, as they possibly can, which obviously is, is over to them, not just their experience but ideally talking to suppliers, customers, potential customers. Because it is very important. It's it's the old story. It's like what are the I think Marlon Brando was asked in the Wild One, what are you re, what are you rebelling against? He said, what do you got? And it's like the old story. A lot of a lot of uh, service businesses in particular, they basically offer whatever the market wants, 
and that's okay. We all want the cash. We all want – and look, having having started a business, it's like I'll do whatever you need type of thing. But uh, really where the gold lies is when you niche and it can be – your service. There are some incredibly successful um, search engine optimization agencies. That's their focus. Interestingly, my son actually works for one. And interestingly, they're now doing websites and email marketing and a whole range of other things as well because it's like they want to expand their their revenue base beyond SEO. So it's a question of how much potential is there in the niche that you select, and will it sustain the growth that I'm looking for? And that's the point. Uh, and so really it involves a, 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 an industry analysis. You, you're looking at, mm-hmm. at the in in-depth yeah. industry analysis. Yeah. And I think – and look, it, it can be quite white-knuckle stuff because it's like, okay, well, does that mean I'm cutting myself off from all these other opportunities just to focus on this one thing? When I started my agency, this was in the early 2000s and digital was really in its relative infancy, I'd, I mainly did email marketing. And for the next 10 years – and I, I expanded into social media – social media management, content marketing, doing websites, like a lot of agencies, digital agencies. But for the next 10 years, people said, oh, yeah, you do that. You're the email marketing agency. And sometimes I look back on it ruefully and said, if only I'd stuck to email marketing, what would it, what difference would it have made to my business? And I didn't know because in a way I took the easy way and said, okay, let's just um, let's be a generalist agency. And I think in many ways that was a mistake. Um, it is very hard to say it no is, to, it is. to additional Someone's saying here's $50,000 or $150,000. It's hard to say, sorry, I just do $3,000 emails. And also, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but also the it's it's hard to – I mean it's almost very sexy to look at because you've already got these you know, 100 clients and you're already selling them something and they want something else. Mm. It's almost too easy to say, yeah, yeah, we can do that and to, to kind of add on to your thing whereas that may not be the best thing because – well, um, for one, you, you're not going to be known for one thing to be an expert in one thing. Yep. But for two, you're probably not actually going to be an expert in everything because it's very hard to do that. So – and I guess you really can niche everything. You can niche the uh, the purpose for your business. You can niche the um, service that you offer. You can niche the clients that you provide that service for. Exactly. To provide that purpose. So really the more niche the better and – and after analysing your industry, like you said, SWOT analysis, uh, all, all that uh, type of jazz, uh, you can look at yourself and your business and be like, okay, well, what are our strengths? You know, what can we do? What do we have that we can do better than the competition? Where can we fit? Well, yeah, well, you've put the, you've basically exactly, you know, nailed it on the head is that the niching can be anything. It could be a vertical. It could be some special methodology you have. Um, so it doesn't have to be just services. You don't have to, to niche that. You could be, as you said, an industry. Um, like, for example, as I said, Interactive Investor, when I started, it was very niche. We did – we had proprietary software for interactive annual reports and we were the first one to have interactive annual reports. Everyone else just had printed annual reports in those days. So I guess the key is um, – and like Peter, you know, over the years, we were then asked by clients, you know, whether it was Westfield or Centre Group or ANZ, et cetera, oh, can you also do a website for us? Can you do this for us? Can-? So we expanded from there. But I think the beauty of having that niche, particularly when you're starting out your business, you become very good at that and become known for that. So you can pick up a lot of clients more quickly if you're a specialist and are a thought leader there. Later on, just like as we mentioned the SEO company, they now have how many clients do they have, Peter? They have oh, like several hundred. Several, several hundred clients. So now they have enough clients where they can basically you upsell them other services. Mm. You know, that's yeah. what happens. So that's the smart way to do it. I guess you can almost wait until you can say, okay, we don't want to grow 
anymore in regards to clients. We're happy with this number of clients. We're happy with this footprint we've exactly. got in this country. Now let's just let's get more money from mm-hmm. from from. Well, these there's clients. there's probably no better example in the world, and certainly in digital, than Amazon. Amazon for many years was the bookshop. They were selling books wholly and solely, and now they're the biggest e-commerce website in the world. And what I love about Amazon, particularly in the early days, now they sell everything and anything. Their their niche is e-commerce. Mm. Initially, their niche their niche was selling books online, and they owned that, and they t- they turned over billions of dollars. And they said, "Okay, you've bought a book on roses. How about we sell you some seeds? How about we sell you some manure, or we sell you some 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 shears?" You obviously, don't we- do much gardening. <laughs> 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 is, it, is it that obvious? Well, yes. What I can relate it to is what I can relate it to is like. With Carbies, is uh, when a clubhouse is full, well, we want to make more money. What's the first thing? And we've actually had this conversation as a company. Is what are we going to do? Uh, and everyone says, let's 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 sell the members more. There's a thousand odd members now. We can sell them different things. They trust us. They're... And I said, nah, because we want to do that, but but much further down the track. Mm. I want to keep doing what we do and do it well. So let's just t- put the price up. For everyone that's joining after, mm-hmm. we'll continue doing what we do. It's the price is higher now because we're better at doing it and we have more people to do it. And we, it's just that supply and demand thing. Yep. It's like a hotel. If the hotel's full, the price goes up. Or yep. absolutely. Or airlines. And, well, that's a smart strategy. I and think. then once you've got that, once you've got enough in our case members, okay, well, we don't want any more. We're, we're, we've covered Australia now. Let's let's sell more. You know, let's let's do more. But we're known for building relationships between, between accomplished Australian entre- entrepreneurs. But then we might sell. X and Y. Because uh, you've at, established at that, that trust and authority. Yeah, that's really cool. And and so the next step of the of the four is opportunity to build prospects. What are the opportunities you have to build prospects for this business of which you are extremely niched in the industry? In? <laughs> and how do you kind of run through that process? Susan? Well, with the with the opportunity, I we then once you have your niche, let's say, then we look really at where have you had your best success? With your past clients, that's always a good indicator um, because where you have your best success with past clients, you can then go forward to see who are going to be good clients going forward as well. Sometimes it's, you know, they may not have been your best clients and we can find a new opportunity for you. So that's so that's it really delving into the opportunities of which industry you should go for, what size of client, um, what's the title of the client that you're going for. So really drilling down to get really an avatar, as they say nowadays, an avatar of who your customer is and what opportunities you have have in, in solving a problem for them. So that's also really important is knowing what problem are we solving for that niche that we're going after because yeah. that's where you get that authority and thought leadership. And it's also it's about having that niche of a customer mm-hmm. because if you don't know exactly your niche of a customer, you don't know where to find exactly. Well, for example, you may look back in your history and say, oh, look, we've got a lot of sales from Facebook. However, the members that came from Facebook – they're, they're not our ideal clients. We're getting our ideal clients. There's less of them, but we're getting them from LinkedIn. Okay, maybe we should double down on, on the LinkedIn. So it's all about having the niche of your client first mm-hmm. and almost being a little picky, I guess. Oh, it is. It is. It's being picky. I think you have to know what clients not to take on board. I'm, I'm sure any agency or business knows that they've taken on some clients which they shouldn't have and they've been painful and you regret it and they change the whole face of the business. So I think it's really important to know who you do want as clients. The culture can change. 100%. And they're also normally, they're, it's not that they're not great clients for someone else. It's that for your style of service or their stage of business or whatever it may be isn't suited you're not best suited for them. And you should almost ask yourself, are we the best people to serve this client for this 
for this need of theirs. Well, we do that with the agency accelerators very much. We That's why we make sure that we speak with everyone, any client we have. We've spoken to them, we've spent time with them, had a strategy session and chatted to them, given them some help during the strategy session, but at the same time made sure that we can help them because, you know, you don't want to take on people that you can't help. Because they're always the ones that end up the most unhappy. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to have a it's problem client, it. it's, it's, it's just not because yeah. you get a bad reputation, they're unhappy with you, you might have to yeah. refine. It's a whole headache. You may as well just cut it at the, at the start. Correct. Well, exactly. we always say your success is our success. And whilst obviously we are looking to grow like all most organisations, um, we are selective because if we found – and we've had a few clients that we felt, you know, we've for varying reasons we don't feel that you are the ideal fit so we'd rather wait, uh, wait, save your time and hours and save your money and just let's cut it here and, and let's shake hands and agree that we're not – you know, good luck to you. As you said, they're good people, they good, have good businesses but they're not a good fit. Yeah. And yeah. that saves a lot of grief down the track. No, I like that question. Am I, is my company the best, the best, the best possible option for you to, to, you know, service for you? Mm-hmm. If it's not, I'll direct you somewhere else. And that's a quick way to cut it at the start. And then your next step. So you find your niche. You identify where the best, I guess, mediums uh, to obtain new prospects. Yeah. And then the position. Now, I've read that book, Position, that is it by Jack Welch. Mm, position, Have you guys yes. read that positioning, book? Yes. Positioning. Yes, positioning, yes, yeah. yes. And is that what you mean by position? It's it's kind of – how would you describe your position? Well, positioning is, is really how, how do you want your customers to think about you? What are the three key things that they want you to know? Like let's say if you think of Apple, what – what do you think, Daniel? If I say Apple, what comes to mind? Creativity, sleekness, beautiful looking products, white. That's like right. White packaging. Yeah. It's it, it's a but it's also simplicity. It, it's simply exactly and innovation. Correct. All of those things. So that's the beauty of having a positioning is you've got to think about how is my brand. It's well that's where we come into the brand area. How is that brand going to be really positioned so that the customers we're going after are going to see us as the best and only choice. So that's why someone like Apple can charge $1,400 for a phone and my father, who just bought a new phone, an Android, has a better camera. I think it was only $200. (laughs) So, you know, and he was (laughs) comparing the two cameras. So why? It's because of the brand. Because you build a brand and have a positioning for that brand that gives you a lifestyle, it gives you an emotional connection with your business. And so, I mean... It, I could imagine it being quite hard for a company to create its position though or is it not? Is that just because I don't know how to do it? We actually in our program we use an example of a, a New South Wales lawyer called Paul Denny. Now Paul Denny is uh, – he advertises extensively on, on radio for, and he's identified who his target market is. Now as you know there are thousands of lawyers out there, thousands, and they all do conveyancing for homes. They're generalists if you will. Paul Denny, we did our research, was established in 1993 and he decided early on that he wanted to focus on conveyancing. So he found his niche, saw the opportunity where there was obviously many, many homes that were being uh, bought in New South Wales and he created the – his positioning was uh, Paul Denny conveyancing. When all you do is conveyancing, you get very good at it and you were left in no doubt as to what Paul Denny conveyancing does. And it's no surprise and it's no mistake that he's the number one conveyancing organisation in New South Wales. And he's just been very focused. He, he, look, he's, he's no doubt had opportunities to do a whole lot of other things and quite frankly he probably does. But his positioning is like we talk about Apple being white. They have products that are not, that are not white but that's what they're known for. 
And I think if you've got that niche and if you've got that positioning and you communicate that effectively and consistently, it becomes a brand as long as it's meaningful to the target market. Okay. And then methods of communication. So at this point, you found your niche, uh, you've you've identified where you, your marketing mediums, I guess. You have created um, uh, how you want your clients to look at your brand. So I guess you've created your brand. And then is methods of communication, what's that? This is the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the that's all of those are hard steps too. That's right. Um, and intellectual I think heavy lifting. Intellectual heavy, said, yes, so it is awesome. intellectual heavy lifting. And I think one of the key things, just a, a quick thing back on positioning, one of the things that we have found is really important is being um, an outsider to the business. An outsider brings fresh eyes to your business, and that's why I think we're better able to identify what your true expertise is, what your best. Um, opportunity is and how you should position yourself. And that's like with any anyone who's outside your business, often you're too close to it. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes it harder to think, well, well wait on, we do all these 10 different things. But no, an outsider can come in and, you know, an experienced person can say, well, actually you do 10 different things, but this is your one thing that people love about you. That's the area that you need to really position position yourself. So I think that's, that's you know, part of that position. And, and do you think that people should go to their clients and say, what's the one thing you love most about us? Absolutely. Yeah, Definitely. Cool. I want to do that. I'll Definitely. Write that down for and later. testimonials are yeah. really important. So we always we always recommend that you definitely ask all your customers what do you what do you why do you work with us? What is the one thing that you find so compelling? And then that, communicate that. And then communicate that. They'll tell you. Your customers know. Super they they cool. will tell you because otherwise you find everyone else will say the same thing. Oh, it's our people. Oh, we're you know service them well. So, but I think if you really drill in, you'll find there's some very unique area that they love about you and that to me is is the best part of helping clients as well. Because working with a, a new organisation, a new business, new person is a risk because you're risking – it's the your money, you're risking your time, the opportunity cost of, of working with one provider as opposed to the other four or five. So that's what, as Susan mentioned, we're huge fans of testimonials because they're the people that have put their money where your mouth is. And I think it's very important for organi- all organisations to have te- to seek testimonials. A lot don't. In fact, I think from our experience, most don't, which is a, another opportunity, huge opportunity for, for particularly for service businesses to have happy clients on your on your website. Because a lot of people say, "Oh, you're only going to put the the good testimonials." Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But these are people who are genuinely happy, and it's like you've provided a service, they've had expectations, and you've exceeded those expectations. What's wrong with this picture? So I think really a lot of business people and a lot of, uh, as I say, clients we work with and people we speak to, they're hiding their light under a bushel. And it's like our job is to help them to bring it out into the light and just show people how good they really are. So it's really about identifying the most important things to communicate and then exactly where you're going to communicate. Yeah, that's them. right. And an easy way for, like we said, an easy way for everyone to do that is to ask clients, what do you love about us? Yep. And, and just... Hammer that home. That's and it. I, I and say, <laughs> and what don't you like about us? Yeah. Well, yeah, unfortunately, you, you, you should like ask the other almost, question too. Well, I feel like it's even more important to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And, and okay, here's an interesting question for you. You've, um, I guess, experienced the Cub brand for at least six months because you've been members for, for, for that long. Where do you feel that we fall short on in regards to the four steps that you typically look at? Or what are, what's some feedback that you would give to me in regards to – Cup. You, obviously, we've never spoken about 
this in detail or anything. So this would be completely from the yeah. outside. Have you invoiced him? I was about to say the same thing. I think uh, you're about to get, you you're first, get a lot Daniel. of exposure on this podcast. <laughs> 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 you have to sign first. Um, no, I think no, I think look, we actually, as we said before, we, we really have enjoyed. I think it was Calvin brought us in, so he's yes. fantastic. We love him. I think he's a great addition to Cub. And uh, he truly gave us a very thorough understanding what Cub was about. Um, so I really think that you you are at the moment, I'm sure, doing everything, you know, correctly. I can't think of well, too many things. A that, lot of members a lot of members say that uh, sometimes from the outside, Cub looks different to when you're on when you're in the inside, when you're when you're in the club, physically or oh. or, or from a no, not as the a clubhouses. No, the I guess the experience of membership. The right. clubhouses obviously look, look great, the same, but it's more the experience of membership. Did you find that, or when you looked into the club from the outside, it's what you expected? No, uh, we would agree with you definitely. I think we we underestimated right. how fun it would be to be part of Cub. Oh, cool. That's probably That's the what we would say. Don't you agree? It's actually absolutely correct. I mean, it's it's really been one of the delights of a challenging year in the, in having joined Cub and met so many great people. The energy, the opportunities. Uh, it's really it, it's in effect it's it's a brotherhood sisterhood of mm-hmm. uh, of people that are like minded people, and that's really really exciting for us because we've been in our own office in our own little bubble so to speak for for 15 20 years and we decided that that cub is going to be our gathering place if you will and it's really it has exceeded expectations mm. it's really we're even going on one of our um one of one of cub members has invited us onto his boat next right. week so going, yes we're going sailing with him oh how good the benefits or boating of having with him. benefits of having a network of business owners <laughs> exactly. so some of them have boats that's, that's it right. that's it so For we're business not meeting at 3 30 on a tuesday <laughs> yes afternoon. it's a business meeting <laughs> <laughs> oh how good well i'm so happy to hear that and and one of the things um uh, i wanted to ask you as well, is that something you highlighted in one of your conversations, which I believe was about gaining corporate clients, was three wa- three ways that businesses can do that. And uh, are you going to reveal these three ways with, with us well, today? Well, we do on the digital conversation. So it's pretty consistent and that comes into the communication aspect of that four-step program. And it's really, look, again, our focus is primarily B2B, organisations that are looking to do business with other organisations. Um and it's really the holy quad, quadruple, quadrilla, if, it, if that's what it is, not being a gambling man. Um, but it's really LinkedIn, email marketing, uh, phone calls and webinars. If you have that from a communication point of view, once you've done the foundational work that we talked about earlier, if you have those four communication pieces sorted it really, and you have the correct messaging and the correct targeting and the correct target market, you're really unstoppable incredibly unstoppable and that's where we help a lot of our clients and that they don't have those four methods set up they don't have the foundation set up and nothing's stopping them that's the exciting thing it's like as i say we uh we we brought in a new client yesterday cub member and they're an it company and they have massive opportunities because they're they're not marketers the two principals they're not marketers They're, they're great at what they do but they don't do any of the things we're talking about but they will do amazing and and so linkedin how do you guys recommend people use LinkedIn as a as a medium? Every day. Daily. Well, Daily. I, I, it's I, very important, I think. Oh, I, I agree. Cubs, almost entire growth has come from, from LinkedIn. LinkedIn. There yeah, you are. We, we, we mastered it. We mastered it at the very early days too because I think we just didn't want to spend money and LinkedIn was free. <laughs> yeah. Can I actually That's true. Yeah, just use, a, use a Cub-related uh, anecdote about and we, I've, Susan and I have spoken about this. 
it obviously wasn't Calvin because he's only been here for 18 months or so. But uh, I think I got a message about three years ago from somebody I'd never met from Cubs saying, Cubs, this, that and the other, ignored it. But I, look, I remembered it enough, the fact that I ignored it. Um, but it was the wrong time. But what you guys did correctly, you kept showing up. And as we always say, add value consistently. Keep showing up. And Calvin in May sent me a, a friend request and said oh, blah, blah, or a connection request on LinkedIn and said we were interested, we've got this club, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And I took it to the boss, Susan, <laughs> and um, – the rest is history because it was the right – but you kept showing up with value. But that – so I, I love that because we, people complain sometimes about, oh, should we should we message the same people twice or three times? But when you're advertising on Facebook or on Google and you, you do keep popping up in front of them and eventually when it's the right time or the right mm. thing, it's all about being in front of them all the time because when they need it, they're going to click on you. Yeah. That's it. I mean, That's what's exactly right. Yeah, what's the difference with LinkedIn? It's the same thing. And then uh, – and also – I might have messaged you uh, three years ago, for example, but maybe you didn't like the look of, of, of me or whatever yeah, it may have. You're a bit have, dodgy, Daniel. Yeah, whatever <laughs> it may have been. You know, people have their own internal bias. You don't know. You're a human. Yeah. Shit happens in your brain that we're not aware of. <laughs> yep. And But then Calvin might. You might okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give this guy a shot. So, so it's but also, our circumstances have changed too. That's the that point. That was the main well, thing mainly, that, yes. There's, there's all these factors. The point is you need to be continuously communicating and reaching out to – to catch them at the right time, Correct. To, to, to be relevant for them at the right time. Now, obviously, in the perfect world, you'd know exactly when yeah. uh, you're relevant and then reach out, but we're not Google or Facebook. We don't have <laughs> we don't all have these the analytics. Exactly. Yeah, we don't have the data. That's AI. Right. That's it's, right. We don't have the AI happening. <laughs> exactly right. But it's basically a layman's version of what these big tech companies do. And But this is – sorry to, to interrupt. I was saying this to Susan the other day. I think a lot of the mistake that a lot of – um, younger people make who don't have as much experience is that they they don't have a relationship focus. They've got a transactional focus. So they're very focused on, if okay, it's it's like, yeah, you go onto my funnel, you haven't signed up, see you later, alligator. So I guess the foundation, I was actually thinking about it. I, was, I probably sold TKS a little short. We've always had a very much a relationship marketing focus and that's been consistent from day one. And I think that that's where you get the gold. You might not necessarily make the sale the first time around, but if you keep showing up, if you keep adding value to the marketplace to these people. It's a numbers game. It is a strategic numbers game and, and that's where you can get the results. Well, I love that. But one thing I love about it too is that when you're a friend on LinkedIn, so I, if I add you on LinkedIn or now LinkedIn friends, mm -hmm. you'll continue – and I'm posting every day. That's what we do at Cup. We just post everything we do. You're now watching – what we do as a company, you're watching who's involved, you're watching how frequently it happens, you're seeing my face, it's branding, it's like seeing Coca-Cola everywhere when you exactly. drive through the city. And now you're you're slowly building more and more trust for my company, even Correct. before that's right. you've that's actually the joined. Authority. That's why you say it's trust and authority, that's yeah. what LinkedIn is about, is a brand awareness, trust, authority. And those the relationship. Three, and the rela and, well, those and three yeah. lead to, to close that and the long relationship. Tail. That's right. And the long tail. Yeah. So if you add, for example, 10,000 people on LinkedIn through over a couple of years, you've got them now. They're right. there on LinkedIn and every time you post, they're able to see. And so then you essentially have an incredibly powerful and free marketing medium sitting right there. And, and I mean, that's something Cub did very well. So, that, so LinkedIn is definitely something you guys recommend. Yeah, well, that, that's a cornerstone, I Correct. guess. And, and I think one of the things um, Peter mentioned, which is very true, is, is a lot of the clients we have often do have a LinkedIn profile. They have LinkedIn and they might even be posting 
But what we help them to do is post strategically because it's not just about showing up on LinkedIn. It's having a strategy for what's my first message if I connect with you, Daniel? What's my first message to you? What's my second one? What's my third message so that you and I actually will get a conversation? You know, what will prompt you to get on a Zoom call with me for 15 minutes to chat about, you know, an opportunity we might see that you we want? And how do you then move them from LinkedIn into an even more valuable um, tool, which is your database? Email database. Email database. If or a you, meeting. Pardon? Or a, yeah, meeting, or a meeting. But either, either a meeting. What a concept, a meeting. A meeting would be amazing, <laughs> exactly. But for even from a meeting or f- into an email database because let's say you have 10,000 connections on LinkedIn, which is very powerful, what's more powerful is having 10,000 in your email database that you're sending out an email then on a consistent basis, basis something of value that builds again that relationship with that um, prospect. Because you, you own your database, you don't own LinkedIn. Yeah, incredible. And and um, what was I going to say about that? Yes, because I receive a lot of messages on LinkedIn and they've got links in them and they're about this long and like, it's like, no, nah, I mean, I'm not going to read that. But when we message people on LinkedIn, which we learned over time, we make it literally as short as possible. We probably slang your name, so we'll shorten it on purpose. <laughs> it, it, we do anything to make sure we that they know we're not a robot. There's actually someone yes, sitting here. That's, talking. that's smart. Yeah, very smart. Because half the reason you don't read them is because you know they're automated. Mm-hmm. So if you think that's not automated, you're going to reply. Now, the bad side of that is that it can't be automated. <laughs> so and LinkedIn's boring doing it. But but the good side is that you get great results, and yeah. and at the end of the day, great results are worth it. So, like we shorten it, we keep it slang. We literally say, "Hey, you want to catch up for a coffee." And, and that works really well because as a human, if someone reaches out to you in a nice manner, your instinct is to, okay, yeah, I probably should reply, otherwise I'm going to look rude. <laughs> and so th- there is a massive difference between wh- like what you're saying, yeah, the, the, what would you call it, the stri- strategy of Strategic what, messaging. Strategic it's, messaging. It's, it's yeah. going through a nurture journey, we call it. It's yeah. the nurture journey. That's mm. what you need to do, a strategic nurture journey. And that means that you are seen, A, as you said, not a robot, which is terrible, and we all get those robotic um, emails. It's annoying. I mean, LinkedIn messages. Uh, so really having that um, strategic thought process of having what am I going to be saying, how can I reach out to them, that makes them feel that you've actually checked them out. That's really important, as you said, is to say, well, Daniel, I know you're part of Cub, so therefore you might be interested in this new organisation that's popped up somewhere, for example. So you say, you think to yourself, okay, well, Susan actually – looked at what, I, what I'm interested in and has sent me something interesting, so I'll reply to her. But if I sent you, oh, would you like to have, you know, another, whatever it was, another v, VA company, you know, hitting on you and that's not of interest to you, then you think why are they, you know, sending me anything on LinkedIn? Uh-huh. It's, also, it's also the law of reciprocity. Um, we're big believers, as we've said a few times already, is adding value. And that's the huge mistake that most people make when they're sending out these, either it's personal or automated messages saying, hi, uh, I do VA services or I do SEO when we do this. I don't care. You're kind of asking me to to marry you when I haven't even met you kind of thing. Yeah, and that's the first thing they say. Hi, this is where I work or hi, this is yes. what we do. It's like, hi, I don't care. We have Going a relationship. Going back to what we talked yeah. about yeah. is like talk about me. This is why we always say you always, you connect with people but you do it with value that's going to be of interest and value to them. And that's what most people don't do, which is which is exciting for those that do do it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, the fact that so many people don't do it means that it's well, that's right. Yeah, 90, people 90, are going to benefit from this episode. Well, I was just going to say, ninety percent people, ninety percent of people are not doing it. So, so if you're part of that ten percent, just think about how much opportunity you have. Exactly, hundred percent. And and like, even the other thing with LinkedIn, this is something that always happened to us, and we always questioned turning it off, but we never did. 
was a lot of people were like, um, oh, yeah, Cubs reached out to me, Cub, you know, because we, we do, we, we, we reach out to all the business owners on LinkedIn. Not all of them are probably eligible, but we reach out to them. But there is, and, and people need to remember, uh, there is a big difference between getting an ad, which is essentially what a LinkedIn message is, it, it, it's an ad, um, to see if you're a prospect, to see if you're a good fit for which whatever my company does, um, as opposed to, in our case, an invitation to join. You know, it's just an ad. You want to get as many ads out there as possible, even if they're not eligible for your company. Um, obviously eligible, the word works for us, what we do, but if they're not the right fit for your company, at least they know about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least you've mm. met them. You might have even had a Zoom call with them. And and so there's, it's almost like there's LinkedIn and reaching out to too many people. Could that be a negative? And I just don't think it is. I, th I think that the positives, any negative that there could be is definitely outweighed by positives, which is, more people knowing about your brand and more clients. I think so. And I think that, um, look, as Peter said, you know, he – and I think I remember receiving a, a LinkedIn um, Cub invitation probably a couple of years ago as well. So – but I didn't react to it because at the time I wasn't in the headspace to want to join a club or, or even think about joining a club. So I think, you've, you know, the, the point is that it can take a long time to nurture clients. You know, so that's two years, three years till until we became members and now we're huge fans. Yeah, you, know? you guys are actually the, the ideal demonstration to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to, so to your own system. Exactly. Well, that's right. So I think that's really important to push push out your messages to LinkedIn. Obviously, you don't want to be annoying. That's, no. that's But if you can do it in, a, as we said, you're offering them value, you're sending something where they know it's not a robotic um, message that's being sent to them, you're going to find that that awareness level builds. And as you said, when the time is right, those people, if they're right for, for the organisation, they will come on board. Yeah. I, I often tell the story of, of our the, the clients with whom we've had the most business, one client, one guy in particular. I met him, had a great rapport, kept in touch, uh, spoke with him, sent him articles that were relevant and we didn't do business for three and a half years. Did not do any business because it wasn't relevant. He, he joined a company where there was big opportunities and we generated millions of dollars literally from that one relationship that we maintained and, and nurtured, as Susan said, the nurture journey over that time. And it worked perfectly not just for us but also for him because we knew what the type of person he was. He knew the type of business he wanted to do. So the solutions we provided were bang on. So there are many benefits in, in staying in touch. Yes, you want to do your numbers this month and this quarter, we all do, but that's why it's important to have that, that bucket of opportunities and build that momentum and that, and that consistency. So when you do that – add value consistently, that's where you get that it, ongoing It's like what flow. you said. It's relationships. It, it's like having the network. a network. You, you're not, not all your network needs your service at one time, but when they do need it, they already know you and trust you. They're going to use you. Um, and, and Susan, what you mentioned is the next step is your email marketing. So really using LinkedIn to kind of obtain uh, these relationships, Peter, as you called it, or what – you know, typical marketers would call it probably a database. And, and, and then you, you want to then add another communication medium, which is your email marketing, yes? Exactly. So then once you have them in your email database, you can actually, what we always suggest is, you know, try and make sure that you actually have some of their interests noted in your email database. So, you know, if they, for example, they're lawyers, what areas do, are they interested in? So later on when you have a big database, you can actually send an email that directly talks to the area of interest that they're in. If it's a lawyer or IT, it doesn't matter what field you're in. So the email database allows you then to be starting to send out those regular, you know, fortnightly 
emails um, that, again, give them something where it's thought leadership. Show them you're thinking around a topic that you know is of interest to them. You know, send them a white paper or send them an e-book or, you know, whatever you can. And that build, again, you get them, if you haven't talked to them on LinkedIn via, via email, you can then email them and say, you know, love to catch up or have a coffee or get on a Zoom call. And what's an easy way to do that ongoing? Do you have a preferred CRM system that you guys like to use or recommend? Uh, Active Campaign. So you use Active Campaign yes. to do oh, your email. Yes. But I think you can use any. There's exactly. Many. It can be a, a, an Excel spreadsheet, which is obviously not particularly sophisticated, but it really comes down to just keeping a record of the communications you've had, which is why a CRM and an ESP combination, which is which is what Active Campaign is, it could be Salesforce. It could be Mailchimp is easy. That's free and easy if you exactly. want to use Mailchimp. Although we do recommend you take the Mailchimp logo, yeah, so you right. might have to pay for Look, that. There are lots. There are lots of of software options, and this is this is where uh, we've been saying this for years. It's not about the technology; it's about the relationships. Whether it's HubSpot or it's LinkedIn or so Salesforce or or Mailchimp or an or an Excel spreadsheet. It it. It's not relevant. What is relevant is building that relationship. And and uh, I could – I found my own hole in cab for you guys. So. But <laughs> <laughs> but one thing we do ex- uh, fantastically is uh, make a lot of relationships on a daily basis with potential members. One thing we do not have and have not ever done is – and we do have their emails and we, we obtain their phone numbers and emails. But one thing we have never done is continuously or regularly email them with – great and, and valuable emails and, and continued that relationship ongoing outside of LinkedIn. So we we, we fail at that second step, at the email step you're saying. Well, it's not necessarily failure. I think it depends on your… Oh, I think we fail. I think <laughs> if we did it, we'd be much better off. And, in fact, Jess, the new head of marketing at Cubby's, is implementing that soon. So, no, I, I can, okay, I can relate to that and I, I, I can say we fail at that. That would make a big difference. That would make a big difference It would make a big difference. It's a lot of work. But the point is it's work you do initially – and that's where we're, we're very focused on. Look, a lot of the vast majority of people we speak to, certainly our clients, they're time poor and they're not marketers necessarily or they don't have time to do the marketing. They're looking after clients. They're looking after administration, staff issues, et cetera, et cetera. So we come to them and say, okay, we've got a, this program you've got to do and it's going to take you. We had one comment in the early days. Some guy in, the, in New York said it's just like going back to school. And that's not what we want. And, and we focused on, on ensuring that that's not the case and we helped our clients to set up an automated business development program where they don't need to be doing it one, two, three hours a day because, A, it's not their expertise and, B, they got other things to do. He meant it's got like homework. (laughs) That's right. That's That's what he was thinking. And that's what we want to ensure. It's like we don't want it to be onerous. It's critical. It's vital. Like as I say, this IT company we we picked up yesterday as a client, they're they're saying that they're on the tools metaphorically because they're they're billable hours. If they spend two hours a day or two hours a week on, on LinkedIn or email marketing, that's two hours less they can charge uh, clients. But they do recognise the need and importance of creating a, an ongoing quality touch points with customers and prospects and I guess they're working with us to see well, to, to ensure that that can be done. And so after email, phone call. How mm-hmm. does that come into the picture in your eyes? Well, I think a phone call is great at any stage, so even LinkedIn. You know, so LinkedIn, if you're messaging correctly and you have something that's really of interest to that prospect, jumping on a call from LinkedIn is fine. If you haven't, then email is the next step to try and get them on a call. But the beauty is that once you you have connected with them on LinkedIn or email, you now are calling them. It's now a warm call. And I think that's the big difference, not cold calling. 
Um, because everyone hates cold calling. We've probably all done it if you're in a business development role, but it's not the best. Warm co- calling is much better, much easier to start a conversation with the, with a prospect if they already know who you are, you've communicated with them, and you feel that there might be some interest in the services you're offering. So that's where the calling comes in. And, and the call, I guess, is the same concept. That, oh, no, wait, webinars. What, 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 is, do you mean Zoom meeting or do you mean? No, webinars like your digital conversations. Okay. And so, so why do you recommend them? To, to position yourself as a thought leader on the topic. Absolutely. One of the key reasons is A, awareness building. It's very important to, um, to build awareness, which is I guess what's ha- happened with Cub, which is great as well. Um, more people know about, about us and what we can help them with. And secondly, it's great, again, positioning for you. As you said, thought leadership, awareness, um, sharing value. Again, on the program that we do, the digital, digital conversations, we always share a lot of value. So people come away from our conversations, hopefully, or the feedback we've had, they always learn something. And I think that's really important to, to help, you know, business owners learn something they can then implement in their business in a practical sense the next day. That's something that we also focus yeah, on. Implementable. Yes. Correct. It's the Correct. most important thing. Absolutely. I say that to everyone that I talk yep. to that's going to host a club conversation, you need to give something that's implementable, otherwise it's a waste. That's right. And again, going back to the focus we have which is relationship focused rather than transactional yes we want to make a sale today and tomorrow um but that comes back to the quality quanti- quality quantity takes care of that if you keep showing up and, and with it and putting your uh, value forward to a lot of people but i think it's also uh if you do webinars if you send out valuable emails um people remember you it might again like like the cub experience it's like it wasn't right for us three years ago but in may it was and we became members well I love this, what's happening right now. I just so scored. So do we, Daniel. It's, it's all going on. <laughs> it's a love fest. It's well, all going that's on. That's why Peter wrote, a, <laughs> but wrote his book, Customer Romance. Did you know that? No, I didn't, but yes. I'd love to add it to my library, which yes, I'll you show should. you right sure. after did this. We have, did we bring a copy? We did not. Oh, we'll, well have to give you a copy. Please <laughs> do because I'll put it in the library. But sure. um, I just scored carbon out of your four points and we got 50% and I'll explain how we're going to implement the next two because I'm sure the listeners will be able to probably relate. We hammer LinkedIn. In fact, I would argue we're the best at LinkedIn ever. We're, we're right. that good at LinkedIn. We're, but after LinkedIn, we also do great with the phone calls because we convert our LinkedIn's into Zoom meetings or phone calls. Right. That's, that's what we do. Perfect. However, we do not then have the ongoing emails go out or the webinars that that allow potential members to experience, you know, the benefits of being a member. If we were doing the ongoing emails, we could be emailing the members of which did not join that we wanted to join, inviting them to attend, example like your webinar, and allowing them to experience the value of the membership and therefore join. And we would probably gain at yes. least another 10 to 20 members. Oh, that's a great idea. You guys that's are quality great. content marketers. One of the biggest problems for a lot of clients we've spoken to, even on the corporate side, is that they say, well, we don't know what to write. We don't, a, we don't have the content and what would we write about, which is complete nonsense because everyone has so much they can write about. It's like what's the what's the emotional benefit of the of, of your product or service? What's what are the sorts of experiences your customers have had? There are so there are boundless things you can write about. The advantage that's something that's a problem you don't have. You've got plenty of content. Those digital conversations is creating an hour's worth of content every, virtually every day. So there's lots of things you can share with potential members. Dude, we're so going to invoice you after this, honestly. You're so much <laughs> I'm going to send you an invoice. You've got like tens of 10,000 people listening to you guys deliver some serious okay. value. Is that the followers? That's the, great. Well, it's the downloads. It's the we downloads. haven't included podcasting yet in our uh, program. We will though. You should. Well, you can we, help us we with We found that. it to be excellent because we found it to be – um, the best way we've ever allowed uh, uh, members thinking about joining uh, in 
to experience because we never let non-members into the club for for events and things like that. It's for members only. And this has been a way for uh, potential members to see, A, who examples of members that are in the club and, B, they're actually getting value from the club without even being a member. Um, and, and uh, I mean, I actually don't know the stats on how many members we've gained through the podcast, but I could tell you now there's, there's a, a lot of members will email me after my Monday emails to the community saying, oh, hey, Daniel, I just joined. I listened to the podcast and it really got me over the line. So it's definitely working. Well, one thing I want to add to that, that, that word you use, stats, it's very important with those four elements we've talked about is test and measure. You've, it's all about the numbers. So it's like we love podcasting and writing content and LinkedIn and, and books and books and all that sort of stuff. But it's like what works? Because if you're spending X and you're getting Y back or you're not getting Y back uh, or not getting X plus Y, um, then you have to look at it and say because it's like it's very much whilst we, we are in a, a creative area, it's also it's, – it's it has to be a quantitative area. It's, it's got to pay for itself. Like you're spending a certain amount of money, opportunity cost, you've got the equipment here and it's like for your podcast you're saying, okay, well let's say on average I'm spending X hundred dollars per podcast and promoting it, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're getting five additional members per podcast or 50 members over the 12 months, more than pays for itself. It's very important. 100%. And also uh, what, what I love about what you guys do is because you create a program, you're basically creating an operations manual in order to – business to, to, to gain for business development which means you can once you have uh, an like a sales ops written down yeah. you're able to then edit improve um uh, and iterate yeah that's yeah you, exactly you what we're doing that's right and, and that's 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 crucial. We, we actually often say we wish we were around as an external resource exactly. when we started our business and, and look as i say it's even even 10 15 20 years in you always need as, you, as susan rightly said an external voice an external viewpoint they can help you to say, okay, you're doing. Could you do this better? You should stop doing that. Stop, f- stop focusing on shiny new objects and focus on what mm. works. Mm. And also, I think what we what it provides, and I like the way you said it's an operation manual. It is really. That's well well put. Sops. Yeah, it's like it is like sops. Sales so operations. Sales operations <laughs> yeah. procedures. Exactly. So it because we put it together, what we really find is that we can shortcut success for our clients. Yeah. You know, rather than waiting, you know, six months, 12 months or never get, never getting around to putting a business development program, we can shortcut that for them because we put it together. All we need to do is then um, speak with the clients and embed it into the organisation, customise for what their service offering is and their niche is. Yeah, so it, it really, saves them a lot of time. It saves a huge amount of time, mm. absolutely. Incredible. And one thing you guys had in your prep sheet was um, winning new clients without pitching. Now, mm. after speaking to you, I think I, I kind of get just what you mean. That is very much through starting a relationship with someone through LinkedIn or whatever medium, delivering value ongoing through communication channels like your emails, your your, your webinars and, and, and phone calls. And then eventually they're going to, when they need your service, they're going to think of you. Yeah. Correct. And that's, that's what it. you mean by yeah. that. That's it very not, not everyone, but a proportion of the people you're communicating with, yes. Awesome. And now before you um, – owned your own businesses. You both had very extensive careers in business development. I guess what is one or a couple of your greatest lessons uh, in a, on that subject that you've learned through your careers? Sorry Peter? to spring that question on you. Peter? Oh, I don't know why Look, I just I, thought of it. I just we, did. we probably only mentioned it 10 times this podcast, but it's really keep showing up. Most people don't. They get bored. They, they um, lose interest. They think, okay, you've said no, so I'm going to move on next. 
And it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. No doesn't mean no, it means not now. And so what do you mean by keep showing up? Do you mean keep getting your brain in their face? Do you mean keep calling them? What do you mean? Well, it, it really, this, I guess this comes back to the skill and experience and the type of relationship you have with the people. Even something as simple as liking their posts on LinkedIn or commenting on their posts, that's showing up. I spoke to a prospect I last like that week. A lot. Yeah, I spoke to a prospect last week and I said, um, hi, Brendan, how are you going? I haven't spoken to you. He said, oh, yeah, I noticed you keep liking our posts on LinkedIn. Not hard. Click and there you go. So all of a sudden the talk that Susan spoke earlier about building the brand, your personal brand, that's one of the ways you do it. So keep showing up. As I say, it's like I would much rather somebody – like if someone says I don't want to speak to you anymore or unsubscribe from emails, fine, no problems. There are many, many, many opportunities out there. So if this one doesn't, you know, doesn't want to speak to you, doesn't want to work with you, you've saved yourself – both of you have saved yourselves a lot of time. And I guess that's a fundamental marketing um, – uh, rule that's that's existed for a long time it's just a human as a human the more you see something the more comfortable you are with that thing the more likely you are going to, to buy that thing again absolutely and, yeah i guess that's what you're saying you're just it's kind of like you are a brand if they it, as a person even the more they see you the more likely they are going to be to buy from you well I've, I'm, I've hogged this question so i'm going to hand over to susan but just one point it's like digital marketing has exposed this is goes back to people who say it's a transactional focus versus a relationship focus the there are a lot of marketers corporate marketers and advertisers who've brought the principles of advertising like just repetition 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 like you're on youtube you see the same ads uh, you see the same banner ads etc cetera, etc cetera, when you go to, to various sites it's all about creating a relationship it's branding is important but you create a brand via the relationship and the beauty of technology digital technology is you can do it at scale and that's what it's all about and Susan? Well, so I think uh, one of the key things I think we've learnt with, with, um, over the years with business development is apart from consistency, as I said, it's also making sure that you um, focus on the right prospects, you know, focus your attention on the right prospects and you, and you don't. I think one of the key things business owners do, and we've all, you know, been guilty of this, once, you know, things are going, when things are going well and you have clients and they're coming in and you're working hard, business development goes out the door, mm. you know, people that really falls by the wayside. And then what happens is six months down the track or three months, suddenly that project finishes or you've lost a major client and you turn around and suddenly you have these sleepless nights thinking, where's my next, next client coming from? So I think that's one of the key things that, you know, I learned working with the business, with the agencies I have. And I worked with um, like Footcone and Building in New York and in Jakarta and, and did business development and looked after, was an account director as well. And I think that the, that's the key is not just focusing on the work you're doing, which has to be great, you have to work with clients and do a good job, obviously, but don't forget about business development even when things are going well because you never know when you might lose that client or clients. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like being a builder and being aware of your pipeline over the next 12 months. What jobs do we have coming up? And, and making sure, oh, January to, sep <laughs> to June to September looks a bit empty. We need to find some jobs for that time. Yeah, and having, absolutely. Yeah, so you're going to be aware of your mm. pipeline, make sure that you've always got a continuous and most people no are, holes in your cash flow. Well, sorry. that's right. Most people are in a blind panic at some stage of the year as a result of new business, money coming in, pa covering payroll, covering rent, all those sorts of things. I guess our philosophy is, and we've been there and done that, and our philosophy is it doesn't need to be the case. You just need to have a plan, you need to have a focus and just work that plan. And that's what we're doing now with our clients. You know, now that we're coming to the end of this, uh, I guess, not such a nice year for anyone, 2020, um, going into the new year, we're actually working with our clients saying, 
all right, what's the next 12 months for you? What is your vision over the next 12 months for your business? And really putting some targets in place, the strategies in place, so that next year will be much better than this year because we all had a hard year this year. Unless you're an accountant. And so you (laughs) guys… Yeah. Or a liquidator. Or a liquidator, right. exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so you also get involved. It's not just with the marketing function, but the marketing needs to serve the vision and the goal of the business and so you make sure you're involved in understanding We that. start with that, Daniel. That's number one for us because at the end of the day, that it's not our business, it's it's our client's business and their vision is what we help them to achieve. That's what we're all about and that that's what gets us out of bed in the morning and so is, you, is working with our clients to achieve that. And, and so you should uh, – sorry, you should – you would <laughs> – recommend to all the listeners that the first before you even think about your marketing and all the things that we've been through is you need to properly understand your vision and and what type of things would you say they need to have in their vision what type of metrics or what type what is the vision well i think the vision is really you know what sort of business do you want you know do you how large do you want to be um you know it doesn't have to be too granular because i think some business owners like all of us sometimes start a business don't really necessarily have an idea some do you know some already might have an exit strategy for their business starting out but most don't um because they want to just work in an area that's creative what they love or you know it's an area that they enjoy and they're making money from but i think they really should look at you know what do we want to achieve over the next 12 months how many clients you know we would like what is our ideal revenue I think that's you know at least if you've got the ideal revenue you don't even have to worry so much about number of employees because the more revenue you have you might need to hire more people but revenue and also what and also accompanying that it's also personally you know how much time are you wanting to invest in your business you know nowadays I don't think people want to be spending 60 70 hours working on their business they want life as well so I think it's managing that whole vision of how is that business going to grow and how is it going to work for you. Yeah, well, I think what I take from that is it's not so much having to look at the great vision of the company, like everyone's got these grand prospects. Well, what's our vision, Laura, to, to unite Australia's entrepreneurs and business leaders? Yeah. But but it's more so to look, hey, okay, what's our vision for the next 12 months? Because we can see that and we know what we want. And if you want to simplify that and have one key metric, it is your revenue. Yep. And then yep. you break down how we're going to achieve that revenue and that's when the marketing stuff plugs in. Correct. Mad. Okay. And finally, because we will have to wrap up soon, what have you guys loved most about Cubs thus far? Has it has it um, has it been a great experience? Has it, you know what have you loved most most about it? It's hard to put a finger on it because we've loved everything about it. It really has wildly exceeded our expectations, and it has been one of the joys of what has been for many a joyless year. And that is, as I say, discovering the service, the the clubhouse, the members, obviously the, your team, Daniel, are, are first class, always got a smile on their face, always um, happy to help. And what we love about it is someone like Calvin and Alice and and Tara and Laura, they they when they promise something, they deliver. And it's it's kind of sad to, to have that as a standout thing because so often it's sad because so, so many organisations don't do that. They say one thing and they do the other. They say it because it's expedient at the time to say it. But um, everything that we've been promised has been delivered and then some. Amazing. And I think that the, the key for both of us, certainly from, from my point of view, is a, it exceeded expectations, which I think is amazing, and that doesn't happen with many services or many mem- memberships you join. And and I'm a member of other organisations, obviously, but I think this one has also delivered just the quality of the business people that are part of the CUB. Really, everyone that comes on our webinars, we just relate to them. They're so positive, you know, they're all running their own business, they have a vision. 
um, they're energetic, they're interesting people. So I think that to us is really important is that ability to have an affinity group. A kinship. A kinship with an yeah. affinity group. A business I think family. That's, exactly. Yep. That's it's been wonderful. Yeah. It really has been a wonderful addition to, uh, to this year. Okay. Right. So as members and as marketing experts, I've asked you what you love about Cub. What do you believe we should be communicating? What's the one thing? What's a what's something that we what's something we should focus on? For example, should it be Cub? It will exceed your expectations. <laughs> you know? Well, what, what do you guys think? Obviously, well, personally, I think you shouldn't be communicating anything because we don't want we, we don't want the secret to get out. <laughs> <laughs> we want to keep. Yes, that's, that's right, right. Keep it. I'm a only joking. Um, look, I think it's the more yeah. members, the more value for you. Well, well I think connection is connection, a word I would but use also very look, much. I think you need to start recording videos of happy members and their experiences. I think, as we said, testimonials are gold, mm. absolute gold, because it's obviously you're going to say wonderful things, as is Calvin, as is Anthony, etc. But it's like people like us who have actually put our money down. What have we got out of it? What do we enjoy about it? And look, because people can, potential members can relate to us as people who had been where they are now. And I think that's very important. But as you say, as you said before, email marketing to potential members. It's like, don't just, just uh, one of my bugbears, and I hate this when people, if you're talking to them about it as a potential job, and you send them a nice email saying, hi, so-and-so, sorry, uh, we've decided to go another direction, and you never hear from them. I hate that. They ghost you. They ghost you. No, I hate it because it's really dumb because guess guess what? It's like I might have another job in six months' time or I might have this other opportunity. But it's like I'm never going to speak to that person again because they basically haven't had the courtesy or the the intelligence to basically see that the relationship with, with my organisation or with me is important and it just speaks volumes. Whereas obviously the antithesis of that is doing what we've talked about in this podcast. I agree. And your so the book you recommended is The E-Myth Revisited. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never actually read that book and I know that's a staple book. Though. I right. know that's one of the iconic books. So I need to read that. But why was that one of your favourites? Well, I think it, it actually t- – it's very much at the heart of the program that we've – you know, or it has this spirit of the program that we put together. It's systemizing your business. And most business owners don't have a systemized business because once you look at your business as a system with inputs and outputs, you know, services coming in, services delivered to customers, it really makes your whole business operation more efficient, more profitable and easier to run. So that's why we like Gerber. And, and I guess that's exactly what you do and you systemize people's business development. That's right. So, so. Mm-hmm. Makes sense why that's your favourite book. And I won't read your favourite quote because it is a long one, but it is also one of my favourite quotes. And it is called The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt. All woman. Uh, Yeah, all woman in the arena. Um, uh, It is a long quote, but listeners, you should definitely uh, look it up. You can even type it in YouTube because there's a lot of really cool videos that come up when when you do. Um, Incredible quote. Guys, this was an incredible conversation. Um, uh, we're incredibly proud to have you as members uh, and very grateful for everything you've already offered, uh, or I guess, brought to the community. Uh, and thank you for coming on the show today. Well, it's our pleasure, Daniel, and thank you for having such a wonderful club that we enjoy so much. Thank, thank you thanks, for having Daniel. us today. We've loved it. We have loved it and we'll continue to love it. And to the listeners, if you want to reach out to Susan or Peter from the Agency Accelerators, just go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you will find their LinkedIn profiles, their website, which is theagencyaccelerators.com. Reach out to them. If you remember, they're offering you a free 30-minute strategy session. Obviously, there's no obligation, um, but uh, Team Cub has actually done the session and it is incredible. So I recommend uh, checking it out. Hope you enjoy the show.